Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on CBS and Play It. And I am excited today because we have Mel Kleiman. He is foremost a pragmatic businessman, but he is also a speaker, a consultant, and an author, and he specializes in strategies for hiring and retaining the very, very best employees. We are going to be talking about hiring right, but for those that may not be in the position to hire, and they may actually be looking for being in the right position uh, where they want to be, we're going to talk about how you get hired as well. So we've got a number of things we're going to talk about. Uh, Mel's written a number of books, actually six books, including The Five First, which is a simple system to onboard and engage top talent. And he's also written a great book that I've used. It's kind of my Bible when I have to hire people. It's called Hire Tough, Manage Easy. He is the president of Humetrics, and he is my friend today, and he's been for a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mel Kleiman, welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks for having me and really looking forward to talking to you and sharing some ideas with your audience. Well, well, Mel, you are truly uh, a guru at what you do. I talk to people in many different industries, and I say, so who else are you using as a speaker or who else have you brought in as a consultant? And your name pops up over and over again, I mean, for many, many years. And you work with uh, a lot of different types of companies, but we're going to be very general today. Uh, so I know that uh, let's let's kind of do a state of the union first, uh, and that is tell us what's going on in the labor market, what's changing. Uh, I know that the last time I hired somebody, it was really difficult to find somebody, and a few years ago, uh, I, I put an ad out, and I mean, I had hundreds of people uh, who wanted this job, many of which were very, very qualified. Things are changing. What's changing? Well, Chip, there's, there's all kinds of things that are changing in the in the world today when it comes to employment. Number one is just the nature of work today. Um, if you go back 30, 40 years and look at the look at work, it was physical work. It was manufacturing something. It was building something. It was something that used used your hands. It was that was what work was. If you look at work today and the economy the way we're driven today, what you find out is that most of the jobs that we're looking at are jobs that require interaction skills. Their jobs require different actions every single day and not a repetitive action because what's happening is those repetitive jobs, whether we want to believe it or not, are going away, for, for example, because of robotics. We have now ro- robots who are doing things that need to be repetitive, and the price of robots has come down dramatically, and you're going to see more and more of these out there. So one of the, the factors that are happening is just the nature of what people do every day when they go to work. Um, along with that, it's more interaction as teams. In other words, where you would have a worker, and if you go back just to 19, to 1990, 1998, 1999, you had about what was identified as about 74% of the entire workforce was what was called hourly. That was, I mean, they were paid just an hourly basis. Today, that number is down to about 64%. Well, now that means that, so that work has changed also. Are they going so the on salary? The nature of work is, is just changing. Are, are they going on salary? These folks, or are they? They're, well, some of them are going on salary. A lot of them are going outside of work as we know it, 
and are not are on a, what we would identify as contract basis are contingent labor. They come in when they're needed and they leave. Uh, for example, if I needed. We used to have on board full time a full time marketing person, uh, writer who would write special reports and things like that. Today, I don't. That position has been eliminated. Um, because I can go out there today and I can post on a site such as Elance and say that I need a writer to write some, some articles and I will have 35 people apply instantaneously and I say, this is the article I need. Do you have the background to it? And I can have somebody who write a white paper where I used to have somebody on staff. I can have somebody who just contingent writes it when I need it. So, so. years ago, I remember reading something that – Many times uh, a technology will change or something will change and therefore it puts an industry almost out of business and it displaces a lot of people. But then what happens is within a very short period of time, those displaced people find themselves in new jobs. And I'll give you an example. Um, maybe it was, uh, and I know this may not be a great example, but I remember when audio cassettes, people, you know, the cassette tape industry, uh, all of a sudden turned to a completely different technology, it was CDs. And now CDs are kind of going away and everything's going online. So what's happened is that there's companies that created uh, a CD technology, and and what happened is it put the um, audio cassette people out of business, and now all these people looking for jobs are now moving over to CDs. Well, now less and less CDs, but what's happening is there's more downloads and, and online type activity. So are the jobs moving around? Uh, it, it also sounds like part of it is people are realizing they can be entrepreneurial and work project-based, maybe even get paid a little bit more per project. What are your thoughts on that? Well, well just look, you talk about disruptive. What's the, what's Probably the most one of the most disruptive tech things out there today is Uber. Uh, oh, yeah. Uber on the car on the car side. Um, you, what this has done is created an entire new approach to transportation, and along with that, it is totally disrupting the taxicab model. But it is now taking the independent driver and giving them an opportunity uh, to work when they want to work and how they want to work it. And they're doing some very unique, you know, if you follow them, they're doing some very unique things in their employment market and the way they pay their people. And they have things called surge pricing. And when they have surge pricing, why do they have surge pricing? Well, they charge the customer more because there's more demand. But at the same point in time, surge pricing gets more people who will go out and drive. So they've changed the entire approach to, to the way we move around the city. So somebody that, that uh, may have totally lost a job, totally, yeah. Yeah, they, they may have lost a job or they may want to supplement their income, can now go out and do uh, work in another business. They become their own boss, so to speak. They create their own hours. Uh, you know, I actually, uh, I love Uber. They're, they're a great company. And, and I like to talk to the drivers because many times the drivers aren't full-time drivers. They're working on the weekends. They're working in the evenings. They're driving great cars. They're taking people around. And I go, well, why do you do this? And they go, well, the money's great. Uh, and uh, I enjoy it. And I say, well, what about your other job? Well, I'm thinking about moving away from that job to this job, which opens up an opportunity for somebody looking for another job. So the labor market is changing. Uh, no doubt about it. Technology is obviously changing because if robots are replacing people, where are those people going? Uh, they're going into these uh, subcontracted jobs. So 
interesting perspective. Any more in the labor market? Well, just interesting enough, and, and you also say where people are going in the labor market. Interesting enough, the crafts are coming back. High schools, high, a, a number of high schools in combination with manufacturing companies are putting in the programs that they made go away in the, in the 1980s, 1970s, 1980s of crafts. Like what, what now kind is, of craft? what do we have a shortage? What do we have a shortage for this in this country? We have a shortage of welders. We have a shortage of carpenters. We have a shortage of plumbers. We have a shortage of electricians. Because people said, get a college degree. Go to school. Get a college degree. Well, the fact of the matter is, a good electrician is going to make a heck of a lot more money than most people who ever get a college degree. Wow. So it's trade school uh, type of, of activity. Yes, and I would tell I would tell a lot of young people today if you're looking for a job or you're looking for a career, don't turn down looking at the craft. Interesting. So, and I know that goes against the grain of what uh, a parent probably wants to think about. <laughs> you know, you should go to college and get a good college education. And I look back at college and I think I did get a great college education. I don't know what I learned in college other than I grew up in college. I became yes. disciplined. I became independent. I, you know, if I didn't get up at eight o'clock to get to that nine o'clock class or if I didn't get up, you know, whatever, it was my fault, not my parents who weren't there to wake me up uh, growing up. So, um, interesting, interesting. All right. So, so much for us to talk about. So we're going to get into interviewing. You have a unique perspective about the purpose of an interview. Uh, before we take a break, let's set up what's going to come because what we're going to talk about in our next segment is we're going to talk about the biggest mistakes that interviewers make, and then we're going to come back after that and talk about what some of the big mistakes that applicants make. So whether you actually are involved in hiring or whether you're currently looking for a job, you need to stay tuned. But first, your unique perspective on the purpose of the interview. Well, if you look at the purpose of the interview, the purpose of the interview is that I think we all know is to hire a great employee. That at the, on the reverse side, the purpose of the interview is for the applicant or the employee to find a great place to work. So there are two questions that need to be answered in the interview. Uh, one question, is the applicant right for the job? Is this particular person right for the job? Common but sense. Just as yep. import, but just as importantly, Chef, the question and the answer is the job right for that person? Because if we if we fail in either one of those, nobody's happy, and we have to start all over again. So that's one piece of it. Secondly, if you look at the purpose of the interview, there are really from a from a hiring standpoint, there are really only three questions that need to be answered. And if we could get these answers very very simply, it would be wonderful. But that doesn't work that way. The, the number one question that you're asking is, can this person do the job? Can they do it? And okay. again, all this the to me is, is common sense. And and so many times in the interviews, uh, we, we don't always do a great job of assessing whether or not they can do the job. Yeah, but that's number one. The second side of can they do the job is whether they like parts of the job or not, will they always strive to do the job with excellence? Whatever the job is, at this point in time, whether you like it or not, are you going to do it to the best of your ability? Okay. And then thirdly is can we live together? Can we work together every single day? doesn't mean I have to love you. doesn't mean I have to even like you. 
but can we work together? If we can answer those three questions, if I can answer the question that, yes, Chef can, will, can do this job, not only can he do this job, but the parts he likes and the parts he doesn't like, he will always do it to the best of his ability every single time. And thirdly, we can, we can live together. We can work together every single day. And that third piece That's is really important. Because if we, get, we can hire somebody with the right attitude, we can hire somebody with the right skill, and, and so those, are, those answer your first two questions. But that third piece, you know, a lot of people say, well, you've got to make sure you have the right person for the culture. Well, maybe so. But do we have the right person and the personality that can fit with the rest of the people that are here? And that includes especially uh, who that person is going to work with and report to. Uh, I think that that personality piece of it is a really, really important piece. Well, we could, we could sum it up in one line. Most of us hire people for skill set when we should be hiring for mindset. And now that's totally different than hire for attitude, train for skill. You have to well, have... Well, it's the same thing. It's right. the atti- attitude is mindset. Attitude is mindset, but also mindset is, is uh, I think, part of it is personality. So we aren't yeah, going to disagree about this. Yeah. yeah. This is good. This is good. Ladies and gentlemen, we are with Mel Kleiman. He is a hiring and interviewing guru. This is the man. And we're going to be right back after a short break. This is Amazing Business Radio. My name's Shep Hyken. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here, and we're back on Amazing Business Radio with Mel Kleiman. And Mel has been talking to us about what's happening in the market as far as labor and, and hiring and getting good employees and how technology is changing the way we are. He's, he's shared with us the ideas that crafts are coming back, trade schools, you know, electrician, uh, air conditioning, uh, automotive. Those are actually very, very good careers. And now he's going to share with us the biggest mistakes that most interviewers make. And I am intrigued by this because uh, I, I know if there's probably a top 10 list, I probably violate eight or nine of those. <laughs> so, Mel, welcome back and uh, share with us some of these great ideas. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's just start what I think. And it's always tough to put number one. Uh, there, there's so many that could be number one. But let's start at the beginning and talk about what, what perceivably is the number one biggest mistake, and that is going grocery shopping without a list. And when I talk about grocery shopping without a list, I think all of us at some point in time have gone grocery shopping without a list. What happens when you go grocery shopping without a list? You forget well, something. Number one. <laughs> yeah, you forget something. And you probably spent more time because you walked up and down the aisles looking to make sure you had everything. And that means you bought, and you probably bought something you didn't need, and you probably spent more money. And because you forgot something, which you said is number one, you probably had to go back and do it again. This is well, a great analogy. The biggest, problem, the biggest problem that happens is most of us go grocery shopping for our next employee, and we haven't made a current shopping list. So, so you've got to be you got to look at it and make the list. And as there there is the food pyramid, there also is the employment pyramid. And if you can if you would if you can take for a moment if you're listening to this, draw a pyramid and divide it in four levels. 
And at the bottom level, put capacity, C. This formula is cap. C stands for capacity. And we talked about a little bit of this, but the number one thing you have to hire for is you have to hire for capacity. Can they physically do the job? Or mentally. They show up every day to do the job. Right. Oh, physically. Okay, just can they show up and do it? Yeah, anything that is a knockout falls under capacity. Can they physically do it? If, if the job requires bending, stooping, reaching, leaning, whatever it does, can they physically do it? And on, on top of that, are they smart enough to do it? Or maybe another question is how smart do they need to be? Because sometimes we need to hire people for jobs that aren't real smart. I used to own one of the things I did in my past is I used to own nine Hertz car rental franchises. And I have to tell you, probably my best service agent, if I look at Jerry, probably had an IQ of maybe 94 if we stretched it. But the fact of the matter is he was hard to train, but he was so reliable, so dependable. If he, Once he learned that job, he did it exactly the way he was supposed to do it every single day to every single car. And not only, but along with that, and we'll come back to that, he also had, which is the next level of the pyramid, his attitude. He had, he had this wonderful attitude. And I think customers came to us just because of Jerry. But you need to look at and you need to find capacity. You know, do they, what is the capacity they have? Uh, did some work in the automotive industry. And we're working in the automotive industry and we have this great applicant applies, master mechanic, uh, certified, everything else, per- wonderful person. There was only one trouble. He had rheumatoid arthritis in both hands. He couldn't hold the tools. And so I nothing guess, else yeah, mattered. They're, they're, they're above in, cap- yeah, attitude doesn't help okay. at that point. No, above capacity is attitude. Okay? Mm-hmm. Attitude. If I were to sit there and say to you as a potential employer, you're looking to hire somebody for office chef. You're looking to hire somebody for sales. You're looking to hire somebody for whatever the job. And I had attitude there, and we sat there, and I, I said, what are you looking for? Well, I need people dependable. I need people reliable. I need people with a customer service attitude. I need people who will do what needs to be done. And, in fact, the number one attitude that we have identified as you metrics that you're looking for that trumps all the other attitudes is I need people who take responsibility. Give me people who take responsibility for taking care of the customer. Give me people who take responsibility for getting the job. The people who take responsibility for being there. People who, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's my job to empty the trash can or not. If the trash can's full, I take responsibility to empty it. Attitude. Above attitude was the other thing. So we got capacity, attitude, the next one is the thing you talked about a couple of minutes ago, personality. Personality. Okay. Jobs have personalities. Companies have personalities. Managers have personalities. The and are these personalities going to work them, together? Yep. Yes. But the other side of the coin is, and I know you're a big believer in personality, but I, I, I tell you attitude trumps personality. Because if you look at what really makes people successful, what has made Shep successful is not the fact of his personality. It helps. But how many times every day do you th- do things you don't like to do, Shep? 
Yeah, all day. I mean, there's little things. There are the things that you have to do. It's not whether you like to do okay. them or not. You have to That's do them. The, so what is the difference? Is Jeff, does we Successful people manage their personality. Interesting concept. So what I say to you is personality becomes important, but an attitude that says, so for example, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. For example, Shep, one of the questions you should be asking in every interview is tell me the things you dislike doing in your present or your past job. Okay. And but how is that going to help? How you get them done. Okay, that's the key. How do you deal with what you don't like? Because every job has something that you don't like. Well, because I have no trouble getting you to. Do I have any trouble getting you up on the podium to do a, a speech? Not do at I all. Ever have any problem? You know, if I turn on the light, any, in, I turn on the light in the shower. You go on. <laughs> that's why I open up late at night when I open up the refrigerator to uh, get a, a glass. <laughs> yeah, of, you, you do your stick. I, I do. Yeah. My, yeah, yeah. That's the old joke. So there's... Okay, so, but, the point, but the point being is, what's the difficult thing? The difficult thing for you, for example, let's take your refrigerator. Just thought comes to mind. The difficult thing is not getting you to open the refrigerator at 11 o'clock at night because you shouldn't be in there getting something to eat. Yeah, I'm not supposed to do that. You understand? Mm-hmm. I <laughs> so do. So it's managing your personality. So you've got capacity, attitude, personality. The top of the pyramid is skill. Now, skill. if you've got a job that requires a skill, we've got to make sure you have it. But if otherwise, if you're smart enough, like most of the people, when you talk customer service, ship, most of the people you want to hire, I want to make sure they have a customer service attitude. Right. They don't you have to have a customer service customers. background because we can teach them the, the skill uh, because it's not a skill that they need to come to the table. There is a little bit of skill there, but if they start out... Right. Because it's very personality and attitude based. Yes, but there are so certain skills would, that are. I mean, don't ask so me to, point, to look at your books because I'm not the accountant. Okay. I'm not the CFO. That's a skill. Yeah, but if I'm have. hiring a CFO or I'm hiring an accountant or I'm hiring a marketing person, and I need specific skills, or I need. I, you mentioned we, I do a lot of work in the salon business. Okay, so they have to be licensed before I can hire them. Right. So they have to have which, the skill. as you're looking at this pyramid and, you know, you started with capacity at the bottom, at the base, are we saying that in order to hire the right person, we have to start backwards? We have to start skill set? Do they have the skill that's no. needed? Okay. But if, if I'm, I'm hiring someone, you, if, if I'm hiring uh, uh, somebody to cut hair in a salon and they have to be licensed, isn't that pre- prerequisite number one? Well, the, uh, yes, in that case, if, if, yeah, it's prerequisite. I'm hiring a nurse, she needs to be licensed. Hiring a plumber needs to be licensed. Those skills. But the interesting of it is a pyramid. And if you look at a pyramid, what would have the two greatest exposed surface areas, capacity and skill? Oh, cause they're, and they're because they're at the Because of that, what's the, what's the easiest thing? We only fail across all industries, across all jobs, only 9% of the time do we end up hiring people who can't do the job. It's not a can't that is our problem. It is a will. Great. And that's where that personality and attitude come into play. And that's where attitude and personality come in. And because they're buried in the pyramid, they're the hardest things to find. 
But most of us concentrate on hiring, back to what we said earlier, we concentrate on hiring people for what they know, we fire them for who they are. So we don't have, I don't have to spend a lot of time normally teaching people how to hire for skill. They can figure that one out. What I have to te- what we really have to work on is making sure that this person will do the other things that need to be done with the attitude and the personality to fit the job. So the big so mistake. When you talk about we could go through ten mistakes, we're still only number one. I know. But it's the number one. But it's the number one mistake because of the fact if we don't have the pick. Well, if we don't have our shopping list, we don't know how to what products to pick off the shelf. When we have our shopping list, we also learn, okay, what do we not what do we need, but how do we advertise for it? How do we get the right people into the process? So wow. th- this is the number one key. It's beyond a job description. Right. So I could but see the where the mistake, mistake happens. People. Yeah. Is it is it they, they just don't focus on that personality and attitude. That would be so that's what you're saying the number one mistake is we have these four uh, areas of the pyramid. Capacity, they have to have it. Skill Based on what you're hiring them on, have to have it. Uh, and just if they have that, you don't want to bring them in. They have to have that attitude. Are they willing to do the job, and does their personality fit with the culture and the people they're working for or with? Right. Well, attitude, again, becomes even more important than personality because you manage your – if the person manages their personality every day. I, I did a number of years ago, I was helping a company hire financial, financial bond brokers. And their most successful bond broker had the absolute worst profile for a bond broker I ever saw. But? But he had determined that he was going to be successful. He was going to do what he needs to do. He was doing it for 10 years. He made over a million dollars a year for 10 years. And you know what he did in the 11th year? See you later. He quit. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. He because you can hire somebody, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons we use behavioral style assessments. And I know that that's part of what Humetrics does, is they have assessments and tools to determine what people are good at. And if you put somebody in a job that they really aren't suited to be personality-wise, uh, they may be able to handle it for a certain period of time. And, and they, they may know what that period of time is. You know what? I hate filing. But I know that if I had to file every day and it was only for 30 minutes, that wouldn't be a problem at all. What this guy did apparently is said, I'm really not really much of a bond trader, but I know that I can make money and I can do this. I just got to put my head in the game and I'm going to do this for 10 years. And as soon as I'm done, I'm done. And he, he managed yep. to get through it. But that was where, you know, that was it for him. So interesting. So tell us, uh, before we wrap up with this segment, tell us about some other big mistakes. The other big mistakes that we look at is we end up hiring what I would identify as the best applicant, not the best potential employee. Oh, big and, difference. And what do I mean by what do I mean by that? The skills that it takes are the skills that it takes to be a great applicant are very, very different in most cases than the skills that it takes to be a great employee. What we build systems and we put applicants through systems and processes, are they willing to jump through your hoops? Okay, are they willing to do what you want to do? Will they? Uh, do they have? You know, uh, back to do they have? Do they have an up-to-date resume? Why do we even want resumes? You know, resumes are the world's most creative writing. Right. Let me give you so, some references too. I'm going to give you five references, and and how many of them are going to say something bad about me? I'm not going to give you a bad <laughs> reference, right? 
Are references well, even uh, needed? Yeah, so the, so the fact of the matter is we have a propensity to hire people who are great applicants and not people who are great employees. So in other words, uh, they're, good hired. They're, they're good at getting hired. Uh, they're not necessarily the best person. Yeah, Alan, uh, I, I talk about if you hire a turkey, train a turkey, and motivate a turkey, you end up with train-motivated turkeys. Yeah, that's not And good. I talk about the fact that most turkeys are better at interviewing than people that interview them because of the fact they get lots of practice. Oh, that's good. All right, give me another so mistake. They, you know, so, so, you begin to, so you begin to look at that. So you, the number one key is the shopping list. The other one is... Most of us, when we go looking for employees, what did, you, you made a comment. You went looking for an employee. What did you do? I ran an ad. Okay? I go looking for people. What are you going looking for? You're going looking for people looking for a job. Right. Now, so are those people for a are, are, And are they out of work or whether they're unhappy with it? It doesn't matter, right? They're well, looking well, it for does a matter. Job. If they're unhappy, that's a different story. You know, but the fact of the matter is most of us go, and, and in every year, career builders or monster, every year there's a study that comes out the first of the year that says 63% of the, and I have never seen the number lower than 60, by the way, but over 60% of all the American workers say they're going to be looking for a new job this year. Okay? Wonderful figure. Well, that's like I'm going on a diet January the 1st, and by the 5th I'm off my diet. They're looking for a new job. No, they're not looking for a new job. They're looking, if a new job came to them, they'd probably take it. But most of us go looking for people looking for a job. Now, I'm not saying that all people looking for a job are bad. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we need to go looking for people looking for a better job. Okay, big difference. Again, and, I mean, these are subtle, but what, you know, and that's what I think makes this interview great today is that there's little subtleties. Sure, the person's coming in looking for a job. Are they trying to improve themselves? Are they trying to improve the situation they're currently in? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's the key. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for so, and the other side, we want you want to hire great employees. Here's a question I ask at almost every seminar I do for every association I ever work with, and thousands and thousands of companies over the years. Here's the one question I ask in every seminar I do: How many of you in this room have a written list of ten reasons why a great employee should come to work for you? And, and whether it be Fortune 500 or mom-and-pop operations, I will tell you that less than 2% of all the companies out there have a written list of 10 reasons why I should go to work for Shep Hike. The Shep Hike can have a written list of 10 reasons why somebody should come to work for him and his organization. Well, I don't. If, I don't. I have a okay, 10 yeah. reasons why you should hire our organization to work for your company. But, uh, it's wow, this is powerful. Because if you don't, why did you put that list? You see, now the other side is I asked the exact question that you just that you just answered, and also I will tell you, and I don't know if you've ever asked that to in your in the workshops and seminars and speeches you do. How many of you have a written list of the ten reasons somebody should be your customer? Do you ask that question? Oh, I, you know, we actually do that in our longer programs. The question is, why should someone do business with me? And okay. part of the and exercise, how many people, well, that they, they find this to be people, fascinating. It's a great, and hardly anybody's and, ever done it. You're right. That's why okay. it's a great exercise. Yes. So the point point being is that, but so the, the, and that's, by the way, we'll come back to that because that's the biggest mistake applicants make. But you talk about it. Do you have a list of the 10 reasons why a great employee should come to work for you? 
And, and if and if you don't, it's the I'll make it easier for you to have, make the list. It's really simple. All you have to do is go to your best people and say, "Why do you work here?" And they'll what give makes you the you answers. Stay? What makes you leave? What would make you leave? What do I do that frustrates you, and what do I do that helps you? And by the way, I'm just giving you one of the number, the top keys for retaining great people, which we're not talking about today, but we could. But are you doing stay interviews rather than exit interviews? Love it. Love it. We're talking with Mel Kleiman here on Amazing Business Radio. We're going to take a short break. My name's Shep Hyken. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Welcome back to Amazing Business Radio. Shep Hyken here, and we are with Mel Kleiman, and he's just given us some of the biggest mistakes that interviewers make when they're hiring someone. And now I want to turn the table, and I want to talk about the mistakes that applicants have. I'm out looking for a job. Uh, what's going to be my biggest mistake? I'm going to go in. What's going to, what's going to keep me from getting that job? You know, number one, let's go back to what we just talked about for a minute. When I talked about, do you have a list of the 10 reasons why somebody should come to work for you? I think that what applicants need to do is they need to get beyond the resume. And the number one thing they need to look at is before they ever start, they need to make a list of the 10 reasons why anybody should want to hire you. So you need to sit there and say, okay, what are the 10 reasons why somebody should hire me? Because... What is a resume? Uh, you know, and you need to have a great resume in today's world. But resumes are creative writing. But literally, what you want to do is you want to come up. You want to be able to separate yourself from the from the rest of the herd. And how do you separate yourself from the rest of the herd? Is you turn around and you make that list of the ten reasons why somebody should look at hire you. And even if you're if, when you submit a cover letter, and I highly recommend. I know that with all the automated processes for for submitting resumes, etc., I would recommend to you that one of the things that is going to separate you a little bit is making sure that you customize the cover letter to fit the company that you're going after, and look at and look at where you're going. So that would be that would be my number one suggestion to you if you're going looking for a job. Otherwise, and, and that secondly, by the way I is a sales the, technique. You know, uh, you're oh. use use the you know when we're talking to our customer, we use the customer's words that they just use to describe what they want, we reflect back. Now I'm going to tell you a funny story. Uh, it's a great story. Years ago, I hired a great person. And unfortunately, she was laid off uh, of, from her company. And my unfortunate thing is that her company eventually hired people back about a year later. And she said, Shep, you know, these are the people that I've been working with, with for years. I love you. She cried. She didn't want to leave, but she felt she had to. But this is how and why she got hired. She gave me her resume, and when we, and I may have mentioned this, I think I did, I'm not sure if it was on the break or not, but on our job description, when we post a job, we, we, we do the top 10 responsibilities that this person's going to have in the job. And what she did is she came to me with a list. She says, you had the top 10 responsibilities. Well, here's the top 10 reasons you should hire me. And I thought, wow, she blew me away. She absolutely blew me away. She was awesome. So it's exactly the same thing. And, and I also was saying to Shep during the break, by the way, if we can go back just for a moment to companies, 
um, what you need to do when you write it, when you look at what you need to hire, one of the best things you can do is you can do, you can take and you can say, okay, we've hired this employee. It's a year down the road. I'm going to give this employee the employee of the year award. But I've got to nominate them to the committee. You need to write the letter of recommendation or nomination telling them what this person did. When you do that, you you will actually literally have the best job description you could ever work with. So what I would want, yeah, for the employee of the year, what I just want to make sure I understand this. So I'm going to nominate an employee of the year. And what is it that they do that compels me to want to nominate them? What's the description of what we of what that person does? And that's what I'm looking for. Right. Perfect. Okay. So you said the flip side. So let's go let's let's go back to let's go back to mistakes that applicants make. Right. Let's look at another mistake that applicants make. And one of the big mistakes that applicants make is they think they need to answer every single question as soon as they hear the question. And so somebody asks you a question, one of the things you can do is you can sit there and you can say, you know, that's a really difficult question. Do you mind if I take a moment to think about it? And I think that so shows good So if you good, were interviewing me, thought. Shep, mm-hmm. and, you, and you asked me a, di- a, a question, and I said to you, boy, that's a difficult question. Do you mind if I take a couple of minutes to think about it? What just went through your head when I said that back to you? Well, I mean, that, that's great. I mean, they're thoughtful. Uh, they're, are they looking for the right thing to say? Are they trying to please me? Or are they trying to give me a good answer, a good thoughtful answer? You know, to instantly yep. respond uh, may or may not be appropriate. Uh, but what's going through my head is somebody says, I need a moment to think about this. And I'm thinking, that's good because the question was supposed to be a difficult question. And also, they just made you feel good because they said to you, "Hey, you ask great questions." Oh yeah, so there you go. That yeah, you know that's I'm starting to feel good every time I talk to you. I feel good. Is this why? Because you use this technique on me. You make sure. me feel good. What else do you think it is? Yeah, you're not any good, Chef. I just use the techniques. No, so so this is great. So you don't have to answer every so, but question. Reverse Let's go back again. Mm-hmm. Let me flip it again. Okay. When. When I ask a question, either as an applicant, if I ask an employer a question, or as an employer, I'm asking an applicant a question, and you get silence, what is the natural thing to do if we have silence? We keep talking. The natural thing to do is to fill in. We don't like silence. Silence is the toughest pressure you can put on anybody. It's uncomfortable. So. It's un- very, very uncomfortable. If we, if, if Shep and I quit, if, if Shep asked me a question and I don't talk for, for 30 seconds, I got news for you. Everybody out there is going to be wondering if their radio is working or if the podcast is working or something else. So you ask a question to an applicant or an applicant asks a question to a, to somebody who's interviewing them. And by the way, as an applicant, you should take great, you should think about very specifically what are the questions you would like to have answered? Remember, you are making a career move, not a job move. Whether it is applying at your first job or the, the CEO of a company, the fact of the matter is look at every single move you make as a career move. Okay. Because your, your, your beginning job is going to determine your ending job. And so and I need to come to that job with questions in hand to ask to make sure that this company yes. is a fit for me. Yes. 
And but, but and so when as an app as an interview question and you didn't answer it quickly, I would have a propensity to fill it in. I use the same line on applicants that I just gave you, and I would say to you as a as a as an employer asking you a question, Chip, I would say I understand that's a very difficult question. Take as much time as you need to think about it. Good. So and I let them and I let them think. Yeah. Great. And so so you you use that both ways. Okay, so what are the, what are the mistakes we we make? Back to the same mistake that we talked about that companies make is did you did you literally make your shopping list of what you're looking for in an organization you want to go to work for? So I think this did is all ident- great information, but what happens if I'm desperately looking for a job. And I would imagine, I think I know the answer. It's like, hey, right now, um, you know, I've been out of work. It's hard to get a job. I can't be so choosy. And, and by the way, the flip side happens when unemployment is low and people are gainfully employed. The, uh, you know, the pool of great applicants diminishes. And I know, uh, you know we don't want to put the mirror up to the nose and if it fogs up, hire them just because they breathe. But there has to be there has to be some sense of balance because uh, not everybody out there is uh, does have the luxury of being so choosy. Well, whether you have the luxury of being choosy or not being choosy, you can never put yourself out as desperate. Yeah, you'll never get okay. hired if you're desperate. You'll never get hired if you're desperate. Well, you I shouldn't say that. There are some cases where people will hire a body, anybody. I need a body, okay? If I don't hire you, I have to work this shift. Right. So so it's a short-term and, solution, though. That person's it's, – it's probably a short-term solution for both the company well, it's and a short-term the solution. employee. Sometimes you may get lucky, and the body may turn out to be a great body, but most of the time it turns out to be anybody. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, for the people who are listening to this, this podcast or this, this broadcast, the fact of the matter is that I think most of them fall in the realm of people – who are not desperately needing a job. If you desperately need a job, then the fact of the matter is get your do whatever it takes legitimately to get yourself work at whatever level you have to do it. Recognize that the competition out there is not really that great. Look around you at the competition. How great is it if you really are willing to take responsibility? Right, I think that's so the key. A, so, yeah, good points. How about another mistake? Another mistake is is literally still is, is again spilling their not taking taking control of the interview. Now, I, it's interesting because I normally teach interviewers how applicants how to interview, but the fact of the matter it is very easy for most applicants to take control of the interview. And, and, and I would tell you, go out and do your homework on how to interview. Do your homework on the company you're applying for. But, for example, Shep asked me a question. And Shep has had some interview training. So he asked me a question about, Mel, tell me about your last job. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Or he asked the, 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 the question, the dumb question about, tell me, you know, tell me about yourself. Mm. Um, and, you, and you tell them something. And, and know you're going to get, normally know that you're going to get those, those questions about, well, tell me a little bit about your last job. Tell me what you've been doing. Tell me, you know, you know you're going to get them. So why have you not practiced the answer to those questions? 
So a little but, rehearsal so time Jeff, doesn't, you know, that's preparation rehearsal. I like it. Yes. So, but so I, I, I asked, you Shep asked me a question and I tell him about my last job. And then I say to Shep, if he hasn't already done this, but most of the time, one of the big mistakes happened is at, uh, interviewers will tell you exactly what they're looking for. So if I said to Shep, he's interviewing me for a job, is that, that, that telemarketing person for him, that, that inside support person. And he's interviewing me, and I say, well, Shep, you know, tell me a little bit about what you're looking for in this particular person. Now, you've asked me a question. I've told you a little bit my last job, but I then reverse it, Shep, and say, well, Jeff, would you tell me exactly what are you looking for in this person you're going to put in this job? How would you answer that? Right. All of a sudden, uh, the applicants turn the table, and now they're talking to me, and I'm going to give them this. I'm, I'm going to ask. I'm going to answer, you know, this is what I'm looking for. <laughs> this is the job description. Yep. He just told me. So then ask me a question, Chip. Ask me a question about my last job. I need people dependable, reliable, conscientious, hardworking, people who will do this, 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 and this. I, right? You tell them. Right. And now I'll and use, you, and you, as you ask me questions, I'm the applicant. You're going to ask me questions now after I've asked you this very important question. I'm now able to use your words to describe what it is that I can deliver to you. Thank you. Very good. We're going to take a short break. We're with Mel Kleiman. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, a favorite interviewing question that he has for those that are looking for the perfect person to be a part of their company or their organization. Mel Kleiman, you're a gem. appreciate you being here. This is Amazing Business Radio on CBS. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Welcome back. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio, and we're with Mel Klein, and we've been talking about hiring. We've been talking about getting hired, and as we start to wrap up here, Mel, you probably have a favorite interview question. We haven't talked about that, but I know that was on the list of some of the things that I wanted to cover with you. Give us a, a couple of examples of what great interview questions are, but I want to know what you think the very best all-time question to ask would be. Well, Chef, actually, I've written a number of articles, and there's really six questions that you need to be asking. And there's six only favorite six. questions. <laughs> But we're not going to go. Th- we're not going to go through all six today. But there are six. But if somebody drops me a note or something, I'll be glad to send them all six of the questions. So how do you get that uh, information? And they, and they fall. How do we reach you? Very specific. Go on. How do How do we reach you? How do we get those six questions? And anything just else? Just email that we want me about at you? M- the easiest way would just be info i n f o at humetrics h u m e t r i c s dot com humetrics dot com. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. I'll put, Shep Hyken or anything in the subject line, and, and I'll know what you're looking for at, at that point. Because there are, there are six questions that you can do. That they, they fall into questions to find out about personality. They fall into questions to find out attitude. They call into areas of following about skill. But they're very different questions. They're not the standard stuff. The wrong question, like, tell me about your last, tell me, you know, the, the number one question people ask is, you know, tell me about yourself or tell me about your last job. Okay. So you asked me, Shep, what was the number one question? Yes. Before I do that, what you need to do in interviewing, which most of us never do, is you need to tell the applicant exactly what you're going to do in the interview. So, Shep, if I was going to be interviewing you and we sat down, 
I made you feel comfortable. I did an interview across the desk. There's all kinds of little things you need to do. Uh, and we could go on and on about them. But, Chef, let me tell you what I want to do today, okay? Number one, I'm going to gather some information from you. Then, secondly, I'm going to tell you about the job and the company. And thirdly, I'll answer any questions you may have. But let me tell you what is absolutely most important around you metrics, and that's our ethics, our values. There are two decisions being made here. Is the job right for you, and are you right for the job? So I'm going to be totally honest with you, bluntly, about the requirements and specifications, the good things, the bad things, any questions you may have, I will answer to the best of my ability. You know what? I need you to be, you know, I need you to do the same with me. The worst thing that can happen is either of us make a wrong hiring decision. You understand what I'm looking for, Shep? I love that. So this is your. Is what this, am I looking for, Shep? Uh, okay. Now you're asking me uh, for the show, yeah, or are you asking me as if I'm an applicant? Either way, for the show, what am I looking for as an applicant? What do I need you to do? Well, I, first of all, I appreciate you sharing with me what our goals for today are. Uh, yes, I want to learn more about your company. Yes, uh, I'd like you to learn more about myself. And most important, I'd like to make sure that there's a good fit. Yeah. But I need you to be, I need, so I need you to be truthful and honest with your answers. You understand that? Yep, I understand it. Because what do most applicants come to the interview to tell you? What you want to hear. So I've now told you what do I want to hear. Right. So, And I've also stopped that. I also do you remember earlier when we talked about that question, when you asked me a question, I asked you a question, I took the interview away from you. Mm-hmm. Now, if I ask you a question, you say, Mel, as I told you when we started, let me gather some information from you, and then I'll tell you more about the job and the company. Okay, so you keep control. So now control. you're in 100% control of the entire interview. Great. So that is an excellent, then, that's how we should start off. That's an excellent technique. That's how we should start the interview. Yeah. And then the most important question you ask is I would say to you, Shep, and this, I want you to be very blunt. Shep, I really do want you to be truthful about this. What was the very first thing you ever really did to earn money? Tell me about it. Great question. The very first thing. So it's going to make them reflect back. Yeah. Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Are you asking me? I'm asking. Oh, okay. I uh, okay. I was about eight years old, and my grandpa, my mom said, "You're going to go with your grandpa to work today." And my grandpa gave me a job. Uh, I remember he said, "I asked him how much," and this was on the way home after after the evening. I go, "How much am I going to, or how much am I making?" And he said, "Fifty cents." I thought, fifty cents. I am rich. Fifty cents. And then I worked for him for three days that week, and he gave me a paycheck. And it wasn't 50 cents a day. It was 50 cents an hour. Now I was really rich. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so here you go to work for your grandpa. And, and you went to work for three days down there. What, what was his business? What, you, what kind of business? He, did he, he owned have? a drugstore. And actually, I, I worked for him all summer. It was, it was like I was going to summer camp. I had so much fun being with my grandpa. And I'm not going to say the work was fun, but I had fun being with him. So what, here you are. You're eight or nine years old. What were the three most important things you learned at that point in time? Wow. Um, well, first of all, show up. Um, I was always ready. When he came to pick me up, I was ready to go. Um, I think hard work. He taught me really good discipline, so that was a good thing. Um, and the third thing I learned, well, I, I think I learned a lot of people skills. 
uh, in that job. I mean, here I am just a young kid, but I'm interacting with people that are older. I remember when uh, Janice was her name, I worked next to her at the cash register, bagging up the things at the drugstore and helping out. And she said, why don't you ring this one up? And I actually got to, you know, expand my skill and, and use the cash register. So those are some of the things that I learned. Wait, you, 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 so it's kind of interesting. So tell me, you, you mentioned that. So how long did you work for your, your grandpa? Two summers. <laughs> okay. And when you started, what were your basic responsibilities? Just ask. Well, I had no idea but uh, what I was going to do. I just knew I was going to work for my grandpa. But what I learned yeah. very quickly is that I was going to paint uh, paint walls. I was going to uh, take inventory of the greeting cards, which was actually a pretty big job that I had to do on a pretty regular basis. Um, and, you know, he was in the, the drug business, uh, you know, legal drugs, prescription drugs. Uh, but I remember going back and helping uh, on a regular basis do inventory of, of all of the items that he had and making sure that everything was, was right. Um, and I guess another... And you, you were doing this you were doing this at eight or nine years old. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that I was being watched. And again, I was working at the counter with Janice. Uh, I would occasionally go out and make deliveries with Ernest, actually Ernestine. Um, and uh, that was that was fun. That was a little bit of a diversion, getting in a car and driving somewhere and dropping, drop, and getting a little tip was really nice. Okay. And where'd you go from there? What was next? Next, um, well, uh, I... I I know that I did that for a couple of years, and I think I went to summer camp then, starting at around age 10 or 11. But when I was age 12, uh, I started my own little birthday party magic show business, and that oh. was fun. That was I was entrepreneurial, uh, and I would go out and, and do and birthday I'm not parties. Do this, I'm not going to do this to you, Chef, because of time, but I would then say, tell me about that. Now, listen to what I'm saying, because these words are very important. I didn't say, what was your job? I said, tell me about Tell me about is a story prompt. What was your first job so is, you, I worked at a drugstore. Tell me about yeah, your first that, job. Tell oh, me about, right. tell me about it. Huge Not what was difference. the job. Tell me about the job. It's like we normally ask people, why did you leave that job? Just listen to the difference in this question. What caused you to leave that job? Small words make a big difference. Small words. But did you notice what I just did? If you ask, what's the most important interviewing question you ever ask? It's tell me about the very first thing you ever did to earn money. And what were the three or four most important things you learned? And what, and what were your responsibilities when you started? And what were your responsibilities when you left? I am watching the movie from the beginning to the end instead of the end to the beginning. And it becomes a conversation. It isn't an interview inquisition. It is a conversation. And it's something that's really interesting to find out what people have done. And how did you, how did, by the way, how did you learn to do that magic? Right, right. And so it's how, what caused, tell me about, those are the phrases that set up the questions that give you the answers that you need. You know, Mel, we are 
just about out of time, and this has been great. We can go on for hours. We're definitely going to have you back. We're going to talk about uh, retention. We're going to talk about employee engagement one day. Uh, But as we start to close, is there one final thought that you have that you'd like to share with us about hiring or being hired? Okay. I think let's take both of them. On the one side, hiring. The most important decision you will make every single day as a manager is who you allow in the door to help you take care of your customer. Or as Red Auerbach said, the most winning coach in the NBA said, if you hire the wrong person, all the fancy management techniques in the world won't bail you out. Make sure you have the skills and the training to hire the right people. Just think about it. You hire the right people, you really don't have to do anything else. Reverse that. As a, as, an, as a potential employee, as an applicant, recognize and make getting a job the most important thing. You, getting the right job is the most important thing you can do. It's going to really determine your entire life and your entire career. Get with a company that's going to help you grow. Get with a company that's going to give you an opportunity. But you've got to earn the opportunity. Wow, good the information. every Everybody's got holes that they need to fill. Right. With the right job, it it will impact you such in a positive way because it's not only you don't want to have just a great place to work, but if you have a lousy place to work, you're going to come home. You're probably not going to be the person that you really are capable or want to be. So a lot of good... Good information today. You know, Mel, I can't tell you, we spent almost an hour together and a ton of information you've shared with us. I can go on and on. I just appreciate you taking the time to do so. I know our listeners love what you're sharing. I thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chef Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. And something I always do at the end of every show is to remind you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.